Welcome to the Live Your Purpose podcast, featuring compelling interviews with big-hearted people in the Oklahoma City metro area who are leading, creating, and innovating on purpose. Get inspired by conversations with passionate difference makers from our local community. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. On today's episode, we sit down with David Lee Anderson, an artist, actor, and musician who has spent a lifetime dedicated to learning and growing through the arts and through the journey of life itself. And now, the Live Your Purpose podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Live Your Purpose podcast. Today, I'm here with David Lee Anderson, an artist who has worked in commercial art, publication, fine art, illustration, and has been a part-time art and illustration teacher. He also worked as a musician, singer, guitarist, and songwriter, and is currently working as an actor for films and commercials. David Lee illustrated paperback and magazine covers, board game art, and computer game art for national and international science fiction and fantasy publication for 35 years. He was the artist guest of honor for 23 science fiction and fantasy conventions around the country and displayed art at more than 440 science fiction art shows. He is currently doing hyper-realistic fine art paintings for corporate and private commissions of historical buildings and landscapes based in Oklahoma. David Lee has a dozen credits acting in films so far on IMDb and has been in more than 35 films, short films, and commercials since 2013. You can see his fine art on Facebook at facebook.com slash davidlee8.anderson and his science fiction and fantasy illustration at davidleeanderson.com. David Lee, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Charles. I appreciate it. It's so good to be here. I'm grateful for the opportunity to have this conversation. And I should say we're on location here in your home studio, which has a really interesting story in and of itself. Yes, uh, this studio is in what was my grandmother's family home. I think uh, my dad was born when they first bought the house in 1931, and the upstairs studio used to be called the dormitory. Hmm. It was the uh, bedroom of my father's uh, two sisters and one brother, and they each lived in the corner of of this uh, space, but my grandfather built the space, and so a lot of the uh, pencil marks of where he cut the wood and so on are still here. Uh, in another way, I have been in this uh, as a studio for almost 40 years. So wow! Yeah, this is. Uh, it's also got the the north third of the studio is my wife's sewing nook, and uh, she does a lot of sewing for her. Her hobbies. Uh, she just made three shirts for our grandson yesterday, mm. and uh, I'm really she's she's about as good at sewing things as I am at doing art. Mm. Well, see now I know that. So if does she take custom orders? Because I, I, <laughs> I think so. I may have yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's really cool. Well, thanks for sharing that. And and as you know, we start each episode with a kickoff question. Right. And you've chosen yours, so we'll ask that and just see where the conversation takes us. Okay. Okay. So David Lee, when did you know that you wanted to be doing what you're doing today? I can specifically point out a time. It was uh, in fourth grade in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. I was a student there at uh, the White Sands Missile Range 
school was uh, the elementary school there. And uh, we had a visiting instructor, art instructor, that would come uh, perhaps once a week. I'm, I can't really m remember specifically. But he had us do artwork uh, for in projects that were certain media and material that he would have and, and concentrated on that. And he entered some of our artwork into an art show in Las Cruces. And one of my pieces won $60 for the school in art supplies, which in 1961 or 63 was uh, an awful lot of money mm -hmm. at that time. Right. And it seemed like, oh, it would be, you know, several hundred dollars right now. But it opened my eyes to, whoa, people will give you money for this? And from that time, I think I had always known I wanted to be an artist. Uh, I wanted to be an artist for a living, but I didn't really know how to go about it. And so, it was a long process of education. Uh, I think that the thing that I love most is learning new things. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I spent many years studying illustration on my own. Uh, I was working as a commercial artist in Baltimore in the early 70s. And I went to the library and checked out books on illustration, checked out books on uh, graphic design, uh, learned things as I went. I worked uh, as an artist doing paste up and design uh, for graphics for uh, a, a, a company called Garamond Pridemark that was a full service printing company. And uh, as people had quit in the art department, I took over their jobs because I wanted to learn everything, all the aspects of design and, and uh, that way I could stick in illustration when customers would come that wanted uh, drawings for the cover or drawings for a calendar or, you know, illustrations for uh, a book that was, was being printed. So uh, I worked there for about three or four years and uh, learned everything I could and then ended up being the sole person in the art department. Uh, what's interesting about this is the printing background gave me much more um, awareness and, and knowledge of how things get printed so that I went to the printers themselves and asked them, how do you do this four-color process? Mm -hmm. They would tell me that, you know, these negatives aren't, aren't bright enough or they aren't, you know, useful for you, you need to do this or you need to do that. And so each person in the various departments, I learned from uh, how to make the color bright enough to reproduce well and so on. So uh, it, I have a tendency to paint in very bright colors uh, because when I did paperbacks later, that was what was necessary was my, my knowledge working for printing companies helped me a lot in having my work reproduced really well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but the, the main thing was doing art for a living was kind of my main drive. Yeah. And all that started back in the fourth grade. There, yes. there you were in White Sands, right? New yes. Mexico. 
and you had a visiting art teacher. And so I was curious just to look at that a little bit more. Uh, what else do you remember that can you tell us about, about this instructor? I mean, certainly you were taught art, but also this opportunity to, to have your art viewed and seen by the public <clears throat> competitively, you know, and judged, and, and you won this award. Um, what, what other role did this art instructor play for you in, in terms of learning techniques or just as an influence? Well, I, I don't remember. I remember it was a man who uh, most of our teachers were women mm -hmm. uh, in the 60s particularly. So yeah. it was a, a, a male instructor, which kind of, you know, got your attention at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, he was very good with with kids. I think he taught mm you know, probably all grades, and, and I'm not certain if he was uh, an instructor for the Las Cruces public school system or whether he was an independent person who just, you know, they hired him to do it at these schools, but it was that moment, I think, that, that made me realize that um, art was valuable. Mm -hmm. It was just that I was later, uh, I remember though that the that the that the illustration that won the award mm -hmm. was done with color crayons on on um, kind of heavy paper, and then you would take a black crayon and cover the whole thing over till it was black, and then we incised it with a little metal. Um, it's sort of like a the end of a compass, only this tool was just used to etch out the illustration. And I remember making uh, a uh, New Mexico landscape, I think, you know, with this etching. So I remember specifically the piece and the, and the materials that were used for it. Yeah. Uh, that uh, later I went on to, uh, basically I did black and white because I wanted to be a comic book artist. Mm, okay. And uh, what inspired that, by the way? So, yeah, you, 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 there's a little shift of focus yeah. somewhere for you. And were you reading comic books, I'm assuming? And, and yes. Thinking, hey, I'd like to do some of that. Yes. I think okay. uh, uh, by the sixth grade, I was reading comic books. Mm. Uh, so this is just, you know, a couple years later. Yeah. Uh, I was collecting comics and those were the first uh, Marvel had been printing comics for a while, but in the early 60s, they had this sort of revolution that happened in 63 and 64, 65. They invented uh, a bunch of characters like Fantastic Four and Spider-Man and the Hulk and, you know, the superhero genre was kind of blossomed all of a sudden. And they call that the golden age now. And, uh, or I mean the the Silver Age. Okay. The Golden Age was the 30s, and mm -hmm. the Silver Age was this kind of blossoming of the publication and 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 different kinds of characters and characters with problems mm -hmm. and you know a kid with his, his Aunt May was taking care of Peter Parker and he was taking care of her and. Uh, they would have difficulties and, you know, high school being in high school and so on. And a lot of this just hit home to a whole generation of us. Yeah. So uh, that was kind of my focus for 
probably the next 10 years was to become a comic book artist. Yeah. Well, and so just to touch one more time back on the early experience, the reason I asked, um, one of the reasons I asked about the, the fourth grade experience with this art instructor is because as folks tune into these episodes, often there will be influencers in our lives. Yes. And, and what we remember isn't as important as is that they did influence us in some way. And so that's why I asked that follow-up question. And just to know that there was this male that was unusual, oh, yeah. a male student who was good with kids, you know, somebody who could, um, who could reach you where you're at and, and teach you some new skills and this early love of learning that maybe you adopted. Um, and then to take it all the way to this point of competition and, and seeing that, hey, wait a minute, <laughs> I could be making money doing this. Right. And then, and then I love the, the segue into uh, the comic book world and, and thinking that this is what you became interested. There was relevance for you. Again, there were themes going on, not only these cool illustrations and, and amazing characters, but there were themes that, that a whole generation could relate to in those Well, it times. was storytelling. Yeah, storytelling, right. It was storytelling with pictures. Yeah. So hmm. uh, for me, it was also, I was also interested in writing. Mm -hmm. okay. I was also interested in creating my own characters and, uh, you know, doing my own comic book uh, versions of things. Uh, I didn't care to, to as much to copy what, you know, what, the, the, what had already been published. I was more interested in creating something new. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember working on publication. I did art for my uh, uh, school newspaper when I lived in Germany, uh, and they were, they were uh, mimeographs, where you etched into uh, an almost carbon surface that was real similar to the, um, the etching that I had done, you know, a couple of years earlier for the painting that won the prize. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it was this transition into one thing leads to the next because the comic books had interested me mostly, but it was the storytelling aspect of it. Yeah. And so I wanted to do um, most of my art later related to uh, storytelling with sequential drawings. And that's the idea behind animation. And I got into animation uh, doing drawings, multiple, you know, tracings and so on to make characters move in amateur uh, films that I did that were in later years. But that was, that all tied together where, you know, the, the storytelling aspect and the um, sense of animation that comic books are basically like storyboards for movies. In fact, they're done by a lot of the same artists or do storyboards for the planning sessions of films. And uh, I was especially interested, I think at the same time now that I think about it, one of the main influences on me in art mm -hmm. was uh, my mother took me to Las Cruces to see a movie called Fantasia. And Fantasia, I think, was one of those life experience things that just changed your whole perspective. And it made me, uh, it tied together two of my great loves, which was classical music, music in general, and storytelling with pictures. Mm -hmm. So, but this was a re-release that was probably one of the first times that Disney had re 
you know, re-released a movie that did not do that well at the box office when it was first out. But this whole generation of, of the, uh, let's say the, the hippie generation, all of a sudden this took off again because it was visual and linear, but at the same time it was tied together with the uh, aspect of uh, multimedia, you know, and that the uh, interest that I had was my mother introduced me to classical music. And she would go to the post library and get records like uh, to for us to listen to. And she'd, you know, say, this is Tchaikovsky, 1812 Overture. And, and they're using real cannons in the background in this, you know, in this recording. And for her, that was you know, it was very important for me. Another life change was this period, which was the same time that I had realized that people would pay money for art. And so that influenced me towards comic book illustration because a lot of the illustrations from uh, Walt Disney were very akin to comic book illustration. Right. Uh, so uh, that's the kind of uh, change you see in connections. I don't know if you remember the old television show Connections was uh, early 80s, about the time as same time as Carl Sagan's Cosmos. Oh yeah, sure. There was a, a, a British uh, based show that was showing the technology and um, cultural changes that would happen that all bounce off each other. And this chain of, of events leads to uh, new new technology, which we now are using in being able to record our own conversation right now. Exactly. So um, at the, 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 the animation led me to do, wanting to do cartoons. And my dad had given me a book called Fun with a Pencil. Hmm. And Andrew Loomis was the, the author's name. He uh, was also an animator for Walt Disney at one time. Okay. So yeah. you see these I do. kinds of connections. Yeah. And so I used this book. This is how I learned perspective. And I was probably, you know, nine or ten at the time that I was learning these things. And I paid attention to... Uh, uh, models and how you draw them and they'd show you modular systems of, of creating ovals for the heads and, and you know shaping the body and so on which led to the kind of comic book illustration that that uh, many of us were in the 60s were influenced by the comic book illustrators because they were doing the same thing uh, as the animators were doing so I mean, and they crossed over in, in the fields with each other. Mm -hmm. So uh, this was a good background, uh, certainly for learning how to do storytelling uh, with images. Yeah. What I find so interesting, uh, all of it, but specifically the, the connections, you mentioned the word connections, and, and I'm a big connection seer also, you know, and I think a lot, a lot of artists and creatives are. And so, so to see some of these other influencers crop up, which is for our listeners, you know, that's one of, again, one of the purposes of the Live Your Purpose podcast is so that folks listening in can key into their own narrative, their own life story, and maybe pick up some of those early influencers that they, they may have forgotten about or 
or undervalued or or maybe they do remember and, and this gives them another appreciation so but you also were gaining technical skills you were finding out that storytelling mattered that illustrating mattered and that music mattered all of these things that you've been doing for a few years now right right <laughs> so and then at some point you were in baltimore this was part of your sharing that you were in baltimore and you were the head of of this department of yeah, I was the head of the department, except I was only one person. So, you were the department. Yeah, I was the department. <laughs> I can relate. Yeah, uh, and so. that and that actually continued because okay. when I moved out to Oklahoma from Baltimore, mm -hmm. I did the same thing here for a printing company where I was the sole artist. Uh, I had actually worked, uh, but the printing companies. It was interesting because. Uh, the uh, I learned how to design books. That was one of the you know main kind of you learn things that you don't know you're going to need until later. So and true. that and yeah. that was uh, uh, always remembering where something came from and then thinking, oh yeah, I remember learning that from the printing company that I worked in Baltimore. So uh, useful useful. You kind of add things uh, to the whole mix of what you know and what you're interested in. I think what uh, I, I have to mention that another very strong influence, and this was, uh, uh, I may explain first, my dad was in the Army, mm -hmm. so I lived in various bases and sometimes... Uh, in the local community, depend on depended on whether they had housing for us or whatever. But uh, I'm the oldest of eleven children, mm, right? And so uh, moving that family, and I have nine sisters and one one brother, and so uh, this experience being in the army, my dad being in the army and moving around, uh, gave me a lot of cultural exposure. To other uh, parts of the country, and then moving to Germany was yet another completely uh, alien environment that I just I, I thrived in my art at that time because mm -hmm. um, the country was filled with buildings that were uh, four hundred a thousand years old, and that it just was kind of epic in scope that I took in all of this, but I was introduced uh, to uh, J.R.R. Tolkien by a, a teacher in when I was in sixth grade there in Germany that uh, read us the first several chapters of The Hobbit. And so that interest in fantasy, because they had real castles there, Yeah. I, we would go on uh, field trips and I would see art and architecture and things that I would have never been exposed to had I not been a kid that was an army brat. You know, so there's a lot of things, I'm sure that there's other people listening that probably had some of those experiences themselves. Yeah. And uh, when I run across other people who, whose dad were in the Air Force or you know, parents moved around because of their, they they have another viewpoint about things, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, I think it's interesting because you you broaden your horizons 
with every experience that you have, but these things all formulated a, um, a kind of plan of action in my, in my case. Yeah. Where, and I was continuing to paint and uh, not painting well at that time, but uh, in sixth and seventh and eighth grade was working with different materials and learning what I, you know, what I liked most, what I was really good at or became good at was black and white work with pencil, pen and ink, because that was what comic book artists, that's the basis of the, the comic book page. Right. And so I refined that skill to um, a more professional level. By the time that I was uh, in high school, I was doing illustration for school newspapers. I was doing cartoons in the school newspapers. I was getting things published, you know, in a in a you know amateur fashion. That and but knowing how things were reproduced and getting uh, oh, using early mimeographs and uh, ditto machines mm -hmm. and so on. I think that's what led me later to be working for printing companies and so on because I had had that graphic skill and then just built layer upon layer with that. Uh, doing illustration and doing the art part was my main goal and eventually I got to that. But uh, I have to explain that, you know, being a kid moving around with a large family uh, that in itself is a unique experience that a, a lot of people, you know, may not understand how, uh, what the dynamic is for that. And uh, so I was a caretaker for my younger sisters, just like um, a babysitter. I changed diapers, I fed kids, you know, and that was a, one of those skill sets that you learn as you're going along. Uh, later, I went to college uh, part-time, and it took me 13 years to get a degree. But when I got married, my wife, Carolyn, uh, she decided that I needed to complete my degree because by that time, I think I'd worked for about eight years, you know, going part-time while I was working full-time. Okay, yeah. And so I would do two classes a semester or something like that, and mm -hmm. so I, I had this I was still in my freshman year, I think, by you know by that time. But uh, she allowed me to go to school when we first got married, and uh, that was a completely that was such an awesome experience because I'd worked by then for ten years in the commercial art industry, and I was you know knew what I wanted to do, and that was a blessing in a large aspect of my going to school was uh, that I was an adult and I knew what I wanted to do you know and I was sometimes 10 years older than some of the my fellow students who who you know usually fool around for a couple of years before they actually know what they're doing yeah or what they want to do and I, these life I knew what I wanted to yes. do uh -huh. so when I went to school I was ready you know and everything I learned it was it's strange because some of the things you don't know you need I had to take a business class mm -hmm. you know as part of the general degree and I thought oh god and I took a marketing class yeah. which I didn't realize would help me 
create my own business mm -hmm. many years later. But you don't know those things are going to be valuable to you. You just, but you put that all in your toolkit, you know, and, and keep everything. Then you can recall, oh, a, a product has a lifespan. It has a, you know, uh, a, a certain audience that you're trying to reach. It's, you know, and all these things that were focus you on the business aspect of something. And of course, artists are notorious for being poor businessmen. And uh, I think that business people helped us in a sense thinking, oh, yeah, okay, think of this as a product, you know. And because I'd been a commercial artist and been selling 7-Eleven posters and people's business cards and letterheads and brochures and, and annual reports for companies and that sort of thing, I knew that these all had a purpose. You know, that there was something, you know, there was an end result yes. that people were getting and they, and they were paying you for it. <laughs> right. So, By the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so one of the things I wanted to highlight here, David Lee, is mm -hmm. that you've said this a couple of times and I'm thinking this is a tip for those that are that are keying into this part of it. You may have already, but if not, uh, what you've said a couple of times is that, you know, these things that you do along the way, that you learn along the way, these are, in, in essence, the, the skills that you pick up, the influences that you have in your life, the um, transformative experiences that you have. These are all part of your toolkit and, and you have right. access to this later on. We may or may not know. Most of us don't. I don't know what's ahead in the future. Uh, but, you know, I can definitely relate to what David Lee, what you're sharing about these experiences that you had earlier on. And you were able to pick up from those and grow with them to utilize them in ways that you probably never thought possible uh, when it all came down to it. You know, there's so many unknowns, but you knew some things. You certainly knew you wanted to be illustrating. You, you knew you could make money doing this. Um, you knew that you wanted to, to have expertise in the black and white, you know, this yes. foundational component. Uh, so became an expert in that area. And then you were able to go back to college or maybe you were coerced <laughs> to go back to college, to go to college and get your degree. But man, were you ready for it? I was allowed to go back to college. You were allowed. Okay, there's yeah, the right word. Right. Okay. Well, the, the, the things that you don't know you need, mm -hmm. a lot of times it's, you can run across uh, experiences that don't seem to make a difference right away. Right. And then years later, I had uh, color theory classes, which I just, you know, uh, I didn't get it. I didn't, I didn't understand, you know, I understand light rays and, and, and the, uh, the sense of colors being all a part of a prism and so on that, that, you know, you're seeing different refractions, different reflections and so on. But it didn't occur to me until I was seriously painting that what that meant. And 10 years later or 15 years later, those things come out. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I, I want to digress a little back to influences. Sure. Uh, one of the main things that influenced me in art, and this may seem odd, but it was another movie. 2001 A Space Odyssey was one of those things like Fantasia mm -hmm. that just blew me away completely. And the, the film was not a success at the time it came out. And I saw it in its debut in 1968. 
I was stunned with the illusions of reality that they were able to create with models. And, and I saw the paintings that were used for the posters, and that was, um, you know, uh, very influential in my later work doing science fiction and fantasy illustration. And this was from 1968, and I didn't start doing science fiction illustration until 1980. Okay. Yeah. So you see the you know the cause and effect is sometimes delayed, but at the same time, um, I knew specifically that I wanted to go in this certain direction and learn these things, and I applied myself to whatever it was to learn that. And I think as an artist, you have to do art. A writer, you have to write. You know, you're a photographer, you've got to take pictures. Mm -hmm. You have to do everything and do it over and over. And you must be, allow yourself to fail. That's one of the biggest things. My daughter, Julia uh, Anderson Holt, is a, is a science, a chemistry teacher at Bishop McGinnis. She says the kids the, that she teaches, they don't feel like they can fail. And she said, you've got to fail. In science, you have to try stuff. Does it work? Does it, if it works, fine, you go on to the next step. If it doesn't, you try to find out why it doesn't work. And this is the case with being an artist or a musician or a writer or any kind of creator. You've got to be able to uh, do it and accept failure as that's a learning point. You know, you get a, you go on from there. You try to, to um, take that and make it, uh, or you try to make it work, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, depending you on go, the situation, yeah, right? But you, mm -hmm. go, you go on from there. And I think that that's one of the things that I had no fear of failure because I allowed myself to, to do stuff that wasn't really up to par. And a lot of times I, I think, no, I didn't do that on purpose, mm -hmm. but I could see that, you know, my heart wasn't in it or I didn't have the right materials or some, some sort of function that you, you get to that point where you want to um, throw something away. Well, she, my wife, Carolyn, she's, uh, you know, certainly, she's not an artist and she's not a creator in the sense of, you know, uh, except for her sewing skills. And she, but she understands, uh, she said she saw a, a painting all folded up that it was on illustration board, so it was sort of paper, and put in the trash. And then later she saw it pulled out and laid out <laughs> on the table again with another attempt to, to fix this. Yeah. So, you know, I, I say you have to be able to want to, you know, create, but you've got to be able to learn from your, you know, your experiences, so. Yeah, that is so important. And for artists, for creatives, for human beings. And I've, I've noticed that trend in schools, especially with um, high achieving, high performing yes. individuals. It can really be a trap that when we're used to, I was high achieving growing up in school. 
And it was a way that I had a sense of control. It was a way yes. that I felt an achievement or important. And when I achieved less than what I thought was possible or what I thought I ought to, there was this critical, self-critical yes. component that would actually inhibit me from trying again and having a really poor self-image. And so fast forward several years, what you're saying now is absolutely truth. If anybody out there is doubting it, Please re-examine your experience, whether you're an artist, a creative, a scientist, whatever you're doing, a leader. Uh, failure and mistakes are absolutely essential to growth. Yes. Because if you're always winning and always succeeding, you're not learning new things. Yes. You may be applying things in new ways, but you're really not learning new information that's going to allow you to assess the situation and respond in creative ways. Creativity, inevitably, over and over. All the books I've read, all the documentaries I've seen about artists and musicians and other creatives, mistakes are made. And guess what? Oh, that we didn't expect that to happen in the recording studio. And that's exactly yeah. the sound that they needed. Nobody meant to do it. Yeah. And it's just what they were looking for. So never undervalue the mistakes that you've made either. It's a completely different mindset. So I appreciate that, uh, that you're sharing that now. Well, in, in retrospect, uh, you look at it from uh, science, if they didn't make those mistakes, uh, you wouldn't have uh, vulcanized rubber. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have, you know, uh, many of the technologies that we have discovered in some cases were accidents in the first place that turned out to be beneficial adaptations. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that that's the kind of thing I, I think I... You know, it took me a long while. Uh, I've been working at this a while, so uh, to be patient with myself. Mm. That is one of the worst um, critiques I, uh, w that I can make about creative people mm -hmm. is that they're too hard on themselves, you know. And as I got older, it, it got less important that I make this work exactly like I thought it was going to be, because um, it's it's in the it's in the process. And art is a process. It's it's a it's a layering of colors to create something. What what my wife calls this is the first time you, you know, I have a drawing that has black and white um, illustration on it, ready to be painted. Well, the first stage is filling in all the white spaces with color. Well, that's, that's called the ugly stage because it's hideous, it's all, you know, uh, uh, layered, not, not exactly the right colors, but you, you have to do that first to get on top of those, to color over things, to blend in stuff, to develop it. It's all like a, it's, it's like a time machine you know, that you put that many hours into something. And I know I can do uh, the 24 by 36 painting. I could fill it in in four hours with painting in all the white spaces. But it takes me three more weeks to refine that, to get that to work, to, to, to make it look like I want it to look. And in some cases, there's experiments that I have to make on these paintings that I'm working on right now there are uh, adjustments that I've been making in the, the pavement. The pavement is gray. It's, it's concrete. But I've painted it over several times trying to get this effect 
to make it look like concrete, but not have anybody notice it. Ah, okay, yeah. You know, to to make it look, and it's all what looks like blank color, gray, but it, it has to be sort of modeled and textured. And I spend sometimes as many time, as many uh, hours on things like that as I do all the little details in window reflections or all the little details of thousands and thousands of leaves on a tree or something like that, that I can spend that much time on something that uh, is, is something people won't notice in the sense. And, and I want that to be that case. I want them to focus in on the details and the reality that I'm trying to represent in the painting. But they don't know that I spent maybe days on doing things like the concrete. So it, it's just, uh, you have to be patient both with the, the project you're working on at the moment and the whole, the whole thing. You can't be um, trying to rush things to get to the end. Yeah. You have to, and luckily with these projects, I don't have a deadline, which is really, really unusual for an artist, especially yeah. a commercial artist. Mm -hmm. Everything I had for 35 years had to be done at a certain time. Yeah. And usually it was yesterday. <laughs> for sure. So uh, I'd worked under pressure for so many years that now I'm having to switch gears. Uh, my wife told me, you know, Carolyn said, well, you aren't allowed to retire. And uh, I thought, well, I don't want to be retired. I, I just... I want to keep on doing what I'm doing and get better at it. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, uh, she points out that I haven't had a real job since 1980. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, among other things, I have done childcare for my my kids. My three kids uh, had a dad at home, and I worked with them. And then sometimes I would have to hire babysitters, especially when they got to the troublesome ages. You know of uh, needing, needing attention constantly. And uh, uh, now I'm doing daycare for my grandson, which is, uh, you know, uh, basically my own sisters I took care of. My, my kids were raised with a dad at home. And now uh, uh, my grandchild Sebastian is, is uh, in the studio, as you can see here. Uh -huh, yeah, he's got his toys and his play mats. And, and his baby cage. His baby ca he's, all, he's all set up. He's all set up. Uh, but uh, he is a year and a half old, but he demands attention at all times as mm -hmm. well. So it's, uh, it's interesting to balance these, mm -hmm. these things. Yeah, I'm sure that it is. Well, I know that it is because you've told me some about it just now, but we've met a couple of times mm -hmm. and I've met Sebastian and... Boy, he's full of energy and oh. curious, like anybody that age will be. Yeah, so, this 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 kid is is. I've gotten old enough now that it's a lot more work than I remember it being. <laughs> As a young yeah. parent, you just don't know what you you know. You just deal with it every day. Right. This is how it is. That's yeah. it. That's it. You're you're you know. And three kids, I remember having different stages. I had a boy, Nathan, who is uh, now a stand-up comic in New York. Uh, my daughter, Julia, who I mentioned before, is the head of the science department at Bishop McGinnis. Uh, she teaches AP chemistry. And this is one thing you mentioned about kids with high, you know, 
high demands on themselves. Mm -hmm. That's she's teaching that group. I see. You yeah, know, the AP. And, yeah. And uh, and so and my youngest uh, Emma is a um, she's a marketing manager, but basically a graphic designer for uh, BDO, which is an international company that does um, uh, the, the accounting for huge businesses. Mm -hmm. And so uh, she's the only one of my three who actually did, uh, has been doing art. It's all graphics, it's all com on computers and so on, but that's how it's done these days. Yeah, that's right. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, at any rate, the, the things that they grew up with, a dad who painted spaceships and wizards, you know, so it was interesting. And uh, in some cases I volunteered at their, at Rosary School, they didn't have an art teacher. So I did what the teacher in Las Cruces was doing, I did with kids at Rosary School for about three years. And I volunteered my time to go up there uh, once every other week, I think. And I taught uh, kindergarten through eighth grade and it was partly because my kids were there at that school, but it was also that, boy, that was another thing I learned. You know, teaching art, uh, it was more interesting to many of the kids because they were able to draw um, spaceships and dragons and underground treasure hunts and stuff that, you know, interested them more than drawing a still life or something. So. You know, I had I had a good response from that, and because of that, I got um, hired by one of the one of the kids' dads was the academic vice president at OCU, mm. and so he uh, got me a position as an adjunct faculty teaching illustration wow. at OCU for um, from ninety nine it was seven semesters from nineteen ninety to ninety six. Yeah. Well, David Lee, we've covered a lot of territory in this last uh, several minutes. And so as we kind of wrap up here and come to a close, I, I did want to reflect back some of what I got from you. This 2001 Space Odyssey was yes. a huge influence on you, um, as as was Fantasia and these early influences on you, these uh, teachers in your life, comic books themselves, uh, classical music played at home. Um and I wanted to make sure and uh, rephrase this again, because I thought it was so important for me. And I think a lot of creatives and people that are hard on themselves, you know, if you're if you're creative and academically gifted or rigorous, that describes me, uh, you're double hard on yourself. You yes. know, it's, it's more than likely. And so this aspect of patience and having patience with yourself and so you're hearing it from an accomplished artist, somebody who's been doing this for a little while now and is highly skilled and getting great commissions and patience is key. So I think there's a lot, there's an illusion for a lot of us creatives. If I can just keep driving and, and push this out and get this process done, you know, you're, you're going to be fighting with yourself a lot. Right. I, I've recognized that, you know, this business that I'm doing involves a lot of creativity and unknowns. And, uh, you know, the more harder I am on myself, the less uh, good I am at, you know, doing the next thing, finding innovative solutions and just being resilient. So 
great point there. There's going to be an ugly stage to your work. There's going to be an ugly stage to your life. You know, right. if you're like me. Exactly. Uh, that happens. And so these are these are lessons really that are, that apply to I think uh, the full scope of humanity. You know, there's going to be you can take time to focus on different aspects of your life, different aspects of of yourself and David Lee has hit several here towards the end of uh, caretaking, you know, um, taking care of, of what matters to you, providing that influence to those that you love, you know, um, having great relationships, being there for people um, and just paying attention, you know, just paying attention to what's there, whether it's on the canvas or, or a loved one that's across from you. Um, and, and then in closing, David Lee, I did want to give you the opportunity. I know you've got some amazing work going here right now. And, and you've got uh, all these acting gigs and these movies. I wanted to give you just a couple of minutes to say, you know, what are you working on lately? Where can folks see your, your work in the community? Uh, and we'll provide links as well. But just, you know, just a couple of highlights there to close. Well, um, I have been acting in movies uh, since uh, 2013. I... It was an opportunity in the newspaper, I think I read an ad that was not an ad, but a, a, a blurb about a casting call. And uh, I just told Carolyn I was going to go up and apply for this, this thing because I'd always wanted to do movies. Uh, I actually was the, in a movie club when I was in 10th and 11th grade that we created movies ourselves. So that had always been important to me in my life, but you know, uh, I was in my late 50s, I turned 60 the first year I took classes to learn how to uh, act. And uh, it was something that I was actually pretty good at, and mainly because I dedicate myself to learning. I take classes at a, a a facility called Actor Factory, who are also casting agents. It's called Fryhofer Casting. And uh, I worked, you know, with that for the last few years as another thing to learn. And so uh, that's the, it's been very helpful. Right now I'm doing a commission for a corporation that I'm doing paintings of their uh, historical buildings, which is something I've been doing for since about, about since 2013. Hmm. Actually, I started the acting and doing these fine art illustrations about the same time, and uh, I had shown art at the uh, uh, festival of the arts downtown, and I continue to do that show. So you can see my art at the festival of the arts. Uh, in 2020, it's in late April. Uh, in fact, that's where I met Charles in the first place. That's so, right. Uh, that that it is a, a you know interesting experience. I do better selling art uh, to professionals. I'm not really that good at um, being a dealer in a sense, mm -hmm. but I get to I got to talk to several thousand people all all in one week. Uh, probably tens of thousands in a way. The, you know, the arts festival have seven, 700,000, 750,000 people, I think, attend this arts festival. So I get to expose, th that's how I was exposed to getting commissions from some of these corporations. Mm -hmm. So 
uh, you can see my art there. Um, Charles also mentioned the, um, my Facebook page. I'd like you to be able to contact me. Um, I will give you my email, actually. It's davidlee8, the number 8, at juno.com. And I do email, you know, every day. It's partly how I get casting calls and so on. So I'm always on it, you know. And uh, I have an Instagram, but I don't post much on it. So uh, if you're interested in adding me, uh, it's uh, davidlee8, spelled out, davidlee, one word, E-I-G-H-T is my handle on Instagram. Uh, Facebook, uh, Charles mentioned it before. Uh, it'll be listed at, in the program notes. So uh, you, you can see my fine art work on Facebook. Uh, you can see my science fiction illustration uh, as many years worth of illustration, but there's samples on davidleeanderson.com. Yes. Well, thank you, David Lee. All of those links will be in the show notes for folks. But if you've heard him now, you can go ahead and click over and friend him and follow him and check out his fine art. And uh, movies online are these uh, movies that folks can find? Uh, yes. Uh, there was one called um, uh, Rudderless, which was very well um, uh, received critically. It was out in 2014, I think. That was the first one I did. Mm -hmm. Uh, there are quite a few other, um, there's, uh, the ones that I played a lead character were, uh, is a recent short film uh, called Assisted Living, and I'm not sure that it's going to, you know, it's right now being played in festivals, so look out for that. Yeah. Uh, I play an old man, which is my specialty, actually. <laughs> okay, yeah. An old man who is in an assisted living center. And he gets a roommate who is a young man in his early 30s who is a comic book collector. And uh, he had lost his apartment, so his, his mother told him about you could, you could live with, for free with, you know, this old man. Well, that was a collision of, <laughs> of, until they, the, the two people found out that they enjoyed comic books. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this, what's interesting is it ties together. I use some of my own mm -hmm. uh, Silver Age comics as props in the movie. Yeah. So this, this, this all, and some of my art, you know, was seen uh, in it. But uh, assisted living is, you know, something I'd recommend if you see that listed in your uh, local. Um, uh, film festival. Excellent. Well, David Lee, thank you so much for your time. I've enjoyed the conversation and I appreciate you being on the show. I appreciate you asking me, Charles. Thank you. You've been listening to the Live Your Purpose podcast. I hope you've been inspired by my conversation with today's guest. If you like what you hear, please share with your social networks and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. To learn more about the life coaching, public speaking, and retreat services that I offer, visit fullintegrationcoaching.com. And you can follow along with me on Facebook and Instagram at Full Integration Coaching. Until next time, remember... You were meant to live on purpose. When all the 
Start living yours today. You haven't got the strength which you need.